0: Um, I have Adam Schefter from ESPN on the line. He heard a rumor. Oh, great. Tell Schefter to stick his rumor up. Sunny, Here he is. Adam Schefter, our ESPN NFL insider, joins us courtesy of Twin Peaks. Eats, drinks, scenic views. Good morning, Adam. Mike Stink, good morning to you guys, how are we doing? We're doing great, the Christmas card arrived, always the first Christmas card of the Christmas season, (laughs) Uh, the Schefter Christmas card, yes, and the kids, how old is your son now? Man, he just, he looks ginormous. He is ginormous, he is 23 years old, living in New York
1: City, living the life.
0: Good for him, man, the family looks great, the dogs look unbelievable, (laughs) all five of them, good for you, God bless (laughs) you. Um, and Anyhow, congratulations on Michigan, by the way.
1: Yeah. That I mean, was uh, that was a lot of fun. You know, I had my in-laws over. They were in for the Thanksgiving holiday, and my parents were over. And my in-laws never saw me watch a Michigan-Ohio State game, and I think they were a little bit mortified at what they saw. But that's the way it goes. They're like, we've never seen this side of you. I'm like, well, this side does exist. You know, <laughs> a little bit of hooting and hollering as it's going down. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun.
0: Can you, when Michigan and Ohio State play, can you put your cell phone down for three and a half hours? No. Nope. Uh, <laughs> okay, good. I was, You know, I was
1: tracking news. There were things that happened, but I'm watching the game, and here's the thing. It, in our line of work, I, I don't know how it is for you guys, but very, 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 very rarely do you become a fan and you're rooting for mm-hmm. something and getting – Worked up over it. Like it just doesn't happen. You just lose that over time, right? I think that's partly a function of our age. It's partly a function of what we do. It's partly a function of being in the business as long as we have. So there are so few occasions where you get caught up in something like that where you, it feels like it matters to you. And that was one of those days where that's what it felt like. And my in laws got to witness it. Yeah. Um, and uh, I like think I said I think they were a little surprised to get all the emotion. Like, what, what, what's
0: this? You know, what's what's funny about that, Adam, is is oftentimes when you call a game, you know, you get yeah. the fan base that says you were completely biased. You wanted the other team to win. <laughs> And I would say the only thing I really want is, uh, the only thing I'm really rooting for is a good game and then celebrate great plays, right? That's really all I'm trying yeah. to do. And yeah. so I'm with you all, I'm with you 100% on that. Um, one of the things we've been talking about here, a uh, great matchup between the Broncos and the Houston Texans and two potential, you know, Coach of the Year candidates in Sean Payton. And obviously, uh, you know, what's going on with D'Amico Ryans in Houston. You know, like this is a, a who would have thought, at the beginning of the season, this is a great matchup for playoff implications. What do you think about the coaching of these two guys in their candidacy for Coach of the Year? Well, I think they're both worthy, and they've both done a
1: great job this year. And I actually was thinking of this this morning. It's kind of interesting that Denver interviewed D'Amico, and at one point was very interested in him. Really, he was impressed with him. Liked him a lot, a lot. He was very impressive, but D'Amico wanted to go to Houston. He would Played there. I think his wife is from there. Um, And uh, wound up going there. And it's been a great move for them. He's turned around the culture, turned around the vibe, turned around everything there. They've become, I think, one of the most young, exciting, and interesting teams in the league. And I don't remember the last time we talked or thought about the Texans that way. So there's a lot of credit that goes to Domenico Ryan for the job he's done, and you know, with Sean in Denver, uh, like I said, I mean, they were left for dead at the side of the road. You know, I I was of the mind that they should sell off all their assets, accumulate as much draft capital as possible, and start over. And they didn't. They held course, and they didn't make a move. The, the only moves they made, they cut Randy Gregory and they cut Frank Clark, and. I'm not telling you it's related directly to that, but the team's taken off since then. Like, totally different team. Totally different. And Sean's culture and ways have begun to take hold. And I think he's hit his stride. And now he's in the running for coach of the year. Like, they're both in the running for the coach of the year. And go back to the interview that got Sean in a little bit of hot water where he ripped Nathaniel Hackett. And he said he'd be disappointed if they didn't make the playoffs this year. And we looked at all those comments early in the year, and like, look, well, this seems a little off. And now it seems a little on.
0: We have ESPN on during the course of the day and all the, yeah. the talk topics. We've, we've seen an increase in Bronco-related topics. You sit in on some of these meetings where ideas are hashed out. From, from your standpoint, from a national standpoint, what makes the Broncos interesting? What makes the Broncos compelling? Yeah, well, I'll I'll say this. You know, last Sunday I was in Bristol for Sunday NFL
1: Countdown, and I I was on the floor in the first segment of the show, first or second segment, all of a sudden they're talking to Denver Broncos. And I thought to myself, I don't remember the last time we talked about the Broncos this high up in Sunday Countdown. Like, I remember thinking, wow, they're something now. They're relevant. They're interesting. And I, I think what makes them interesting is they were such a disaster last year. They were a disaster at the start of the season, and now they're one of the hottest teams in football, led by the head coach, led by the quarterback, both making a comeback, both kind of rejuvenated and, and kind of performing much better than they did earlier in the year. And I, and I think people aren't used to seeing one team with such a dramatic turnaround that it gets everybody's attention, and I think that's what Denver's done here.
0: Yeah, it really, it really has been just a dramatic turnaround, and obviously, you know what they've been able to do, um, not only offensively but defensively, and and like the overall, you know, the overall narrative of Russ, and you know, in in the circles that you travel in, I mean, he went from. Guy's, you know, out of shape. The guy's lost all his athletic ability. The guy, you know, is, is, you know, is washed, blah, 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 blah. Everything you could hear hear last year, too. There's actually, he's getting some praise, and he's been exceptional. Um, It hasn't been big numbers, but he's been exceptional at orchestrating Sean's offense, and you know, I think, I don't know about you, but for me, um, completely kind of flipped the narrative, which is incredible considering, you know, this is what, yeah. year 12 or 13. It's it's amazing what he's been able to do. Yeah, and, and that that's, again, another reason that it's so fascinating. And I'm going to tell
1: you this. You know, I, I just go back to the offseason when Denver was going through its coaching search. I'm just telling you how much Russell haunted Sean as the head coach. Like, that was the guy he wanted in Denver and I think he was anxious about whether they were going to get or lose him and I think he was incredibly happy when they got him like, he was really paying very close attention to that whole search and really hoping it was going to be sure I can't emphasize that enough to you, I'm just telling you
0: Visit with Adam Schiff, let's get to some uh, NFL related topics Cam Newton came out and said it's his belief that Dave Tepper wants Bill Belichick. We've heard Belichick linked to Carolina, Washington, the Chargers. If you had to handicap, where is Bill Belichick next uh next season? Well,
1: I I think Bill will be linked to a lot of places and Cam is connected in Carolina, so if Cam says that then I certainly don't dismiss it and um you have to take that into consideration. I guess I would just say this though. I think Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft have to figure out what direction they want to go first and foremost before anything else is established. It's fun to spitball, okay, oh, Bill will coach the Panthers, oh, he'll coach Washington, oh, he'll coach the Chargers, oh, he'll coach here, he'll coach there. He's coaching in New England right now. And while there are a lot of people who logically deduce that at some point they're going to sit down and break up at the end of the season, which is certainly plausible. Um, they haven't gotten there yet. And so until they get there, all this talk about where Bill's going to wind up is simply conjecture in my mind. Again, fun to do, can engage it with any number of teams, but it's just not real right now. Right now, a month from now, it might be different. But we can have fun and speculate. You know, we can have fun and speculate who might win the Super Bowl. We could have fun and speculate who might the playoffs. Fun and speculate. We're Bill Belichick, my coach. On interesting topics. But, again, there's no validity to them right now.
0: Zero right now. Adam, what do you think we're going to see Aaron Rodgers play this? I mean, he's practicing. He's doing things at yeah, practice, right? It is insane to me, especially considering yeah, I, I don't think the Jets – are gonna make the playoffs, but might we see Aaron Rodgers in a Jets uniform playing this season? Well I you know here's how I've felt all
1: along. That number one, he's determined to just show everybody that he can do things that no other human have has done before. And and you have to respect him for that. But on the other hand, the Jets have to do their job. They have to do their job and they haven't. They're four and seven. So if they lose another game or two before he's ready to come back, I guess my logical way of thinking, which may not be shared by him, and he makes the decision: Why are you coming back on a four and nine team, a five and ten team? If it's eliminated from the playoffs, why are you coming back to play this season behind a bad offensive line? behind a team that's been eliminated from the playoffs, what are you doing? Like, it's you're just putting yourself at risk for next year. Now, let me say this. If the Jets win Sunday, they beat Atlanta, they find a way to do that, they steal another victory, they're not eliminated, and he feels physically ready to come. I'm all for it. Love to see it. Great story. Improbable. Medical miracle. All that. Great. But,
0: the Jets have to do that part. If they don't, I don't know what he's doing it for. Adam, last one. This is kind of a multi-layered question, so bear with me. We we've had and heard from a lot of frustrated Bronco fans, football fans, who are really frustrated with what they view as uh, the softening of the game. These late hits, whether it's Kareem Jackson, Baron Brown the other day on Dorian Thompson mm-hmm. Robinson, and the idea that uh, this isn't football and that the way that the, 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 the hits are called and uh, adjudicated, that there's a lot of inconsistency. When you talk to people in the league, how much do they hear, hear this kind of criticism and frustration from their fans, and what's their reaction to it? What are they going to do about it? You know, I, I guess
1: I, I, I've heard these conversations, um... And uh, the the points are down. But the fact of the matter is we we, we can look at the game and it's not the same game as when Sting played. It's not. That's fine. But in the interim, uh, this is my contention, the TV ratings are higher than they've ever been. There's more people playing fancy football that care about it than ever before. They're growing it internationally. You you can question the quality all you want, come up with legitimate arguments, and be proven to be correct. Bravo. The league's printing money. The league's ratings are through the roof. So they're going to keep doing what they have to do to try to make sure the game is compelling as possible, to keep it interesting. But the fact of the matter is, it's, it's sort of like, you know, a restaurant with with food that isn't good. That's like the hottest place in town and it's packed. And there's a line that's like, why are they, the
0: food's not great. Well, I don't know. It's just packed every night. You can't get in. Yeah. Same concept. Adam, man, you're the best. Have a great weekend. We appreciate you so much. And, uh, we look forward to, uh, talking to you and chopping it up next week. Likewise, guys. Where are you this weekend? Stink. Uh, I am in Washington D.C. for d uh, for the uh, Washington Commanders and the Miami Dolphins. Got to meet my or get to meet my uh, former ball boy, Mike McDaniel. <laughs> That's awesome! And That's that, and it's unbelievable, right? The dude was a yeah, ball yeah. boy for yeah, us. You were covering you know us what? when he
1: was the ball boy. I I, I know you're going to mention it. You know, I I actually was looking this morning and I was going to you know bring it up and and it, I know it's it's kind of old hat and it's a little bit cliched and whatnot, but I I just want to point out to you the Washington staff that they fired. And there were people at the time, the Washington post, CBS sports, whatever that were ripping that staff for the nepotism involved for Mm -hmm. Mike Shanahan, bringing in his family and friends. And, and, and that's fine. Like I saw some of the nastiest things written that I've ever seen in my life. Like I'll sing you stories thing. I'm gonna I'm gonna text it to you and make okay. you laugh. Okay. Okay. And that staff in Washington, Mike was the head coach, pretty good. The offensive coordinator was Kyle Shanahan. The Titans coach was Sean McVay. The wide receiver's coach was Mike McDaniel. The quarterback coach was Matt LaFleur. Jeez. Defensive assistant was Bobby Slowick. Chris Forrester was an offensive line. Like that
0: was a pretty good staff. Yeah. yeah. Pretty, good, pretty, pretty good staff. Not too bad. No, not too bad. And I, I tell you and what. I got rid of them all. Right. Yeah. And Mike yeah, that McDaniel. Was really, that, was really, yeah. that was really smart. Really smart. By the way, Mike McDaniel and that offense in Miami, it's the closest thing. You know, you, you want to talk about the league and, and printing money and fantasy football. It's the closest thing that you will ever watch on film to a video game. That's what their offense reminds me of. It is is, like, I don't, Adam, they get in formations I've never seen before. I have no idea what to call that. It's unbelievable. Real quick, Adam, I just got, actually a brought this up, and it it just jogged something I want to ask you about. What is the league's feelings towards Sean Payton? Is there bounty gate leftovers that could lead a Bronco fan to say that the Broncos are being unfairly targeted by the officials because of Sean Payton? Anything to that? I don't believe that at all. I know Sean might. Sean
1: might. Um, But I don't. You know, I I, I just think that the league is enforcing. Like, do you think that there's an official that goes out and that either A, the league has said, hey, call it tight on these guys because we don't like Sean. Or we're going to try to make the league office happy and call it tight on these guys because they don't like Sean. Like, all of it to me
0: is a is far-fetched agreed I, I like I does the official say hey this team has a propensity to hold so let's watch them tighten the trenches or they they do something that is illegal like in their officiating meeting yeah we got to watch this and, and call this tight but not yes. hey Sean Payton you know not I don't like Sean Payton so let's go I think that's ludicrous. Anyhow, Adam, man, we got to hey, let you Sidney, go. I, I, I texted you that article. You can share it with Mike. Okay, I will. I will do that. Thank you, buddy. And the Christmas card, okay. absolutely beautiful. Tell the dogs I said hi. Oh, they're, they're, they're saying our, hello right now. Oh, good. Good. Hey, bud. Take care, guys. Ah, oh, those dogs. Hell, oh, yeah. What, what kind he, of dogs? He, he's got five of them. Five dogs? Yeah, there's some type of labber poodle doodles or doodly doo doo, whatever those doos do. You know all the doo doo dogs. I got a doo doo dog. You do? I got a burnadoodle. Burnadoodle? Bernadoodle. What's a bur- what's the burner uh, it's a Bernice mountain dog. Uh-huh. With, with some a doodle in it. With a poodle. Dude, why do why does I know. Why, huh? Why does everybody like are the poodles like the like the Shangri La of of Everyone, dog breeds? Everyone's looking to hook up with a poodle? Is that right. what you're saying? Uh, that, Maybe. I mean, what is the equivalent? Maybe we better not have this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, burner doodles, golden doodles, all kinds of doodles out there. Flippity doodle. And he's got a lot of doodles. Mm-hmm. Uh that is Adam Schefter, uh presented by Twin Peaks, eats, drinks, scenic views.